0: welcome everybody welcome this is sharon smith and this is i Have it presents real poetry i'm here with my two purse masters here auntie vice and marvin say what up what up what up and we are going to review today another movie shorts I hate when you shake your head, but I want to say anyway, that we've now picked up, we're going to do three new ones. This one is Casey at Bat, uh, Paul Bunyan, and the shooting of Dangerous Dan McGrew. McGrew. This is actually McGrew, but they, they had so many names with that one, that was ridiculous. These ones were under 30 minutes, and... I think it was pretty. I think I got a good, pretty good size of them. I mean, unfortunately, the t- two of the two of the first ones were Disney movies. were made from Disney animation back in the '40s and '50s. It's crazy. So, you know, the racism was kind of an interesting point on that. Oh yeah, <laughs>
1: no, it's super strong in that certain aspects.
0: <laughs> but let's start off with what, what we did before. We're going to basically. Do all the move. We're gonna do all the talking onto the movies and stuff about each one of them, and then at the end we will basically we we will basically rate all three of them. So the first one we're gonna talk about is Casey at Bat. Now Casey at Bat is actually a poem written by Ernest Thayer. He feels first published in the Sac- San Francisco Examiner Examiner back in eighteen. 18- Back in June 3rd, 1888, under his pen name Finn, which is his college his college nickname, was Finney. It's a dramatic narrative about a baseball game. The game, the poem, is, was later popular, uh, popularized by um, De, um, DeWolf Hopper for many Vonneville performances and became known as the best known poem in American literature, ironically. It got so good that they that even Disney took a little little spin at it and made it into an animated most animated move or animated short little cartoon in nineteen in nineteen fifty or oh, nineteen forty six. It was done nineteen forty six. Crazy.
1: <laughs> so why does it not surprise me that it was like a vaudeville
0: performance or
1: yeah, like. Oh, even the animated short, you could could just kind of see that with how (laughs) over-exaggerated certain movements were. So, no, no, it shouldn't have surprised me. It just, (laughs) it disappoints me.
0: Right. Okay. Well, well, let me me get through the synopsis of it, and then you can talk about your disappointment. (laughs) A A baseball team in the fictional town of Mudville, the home team, is losing two runs. By two runs in the last inning. Mm-hmm. Both teams and its fans of a crowd of 5,000 believe that they can win if Casey, the Mudville star player, gets to, gets to bat. However, Casey is scheduled to be the fifth batter in the, of the inning, and two batters fail to get on base. The next two batters, Flynn and Jimmy Blake, proceed to give weaker hitters a little chance to reach the base and allow Casey to get a, get a chance to be a bat. Surprisingly, Flynn hit, Flynn hit a single and Blank hit a double and allowed the uh, Flynn to reach third place on um, third base. Both runners are now in scoring position. Casey represents the potential winning run. Casey is so sure that his ability, he does not swing at the first two pitches. And, on, and both are called strikes. And the last pitch, an overconfident Casey strikes out swinging and ending the game, sending the fans home unhappy. Thoughts? Marvin?
1: You know, I remember watching this when I was in grade school and actually for some reason liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Watching it again now, my opinion really doesn't change about it. I mean, it's a fun (laughs) little cute story about – taking everything seriously. Don't ever be too. Egotistical. Don't be too proud. Like you, I mean, it's like I said, it's a fun little message for kids not to be that egomaniac, much of an egomaniac. But now that we talked about it, now that I've looked at it from a lens as an adult, you were right. It does have some vaudeville exaggerations, which is very disappointing, but yeah. I'm hit or miss about it. Hmm.
0: Auntie Vice.
2: I know the original poem, and, it you know, that's fine. It's cute for kids and stuff like that. I hated the animation. I absolutely hate <laughs> the style of animation. I find it over the top kind of grotesque, you know, with the blown-out features, and they, they capitalize on the idea that, you know, being big is evil, and they, they mock retarded people in it, like... You can't even get through the first minute of it without feeling like you're watching something vaguely racist. Before anything really happens in the damn thing,
0: like it's. it's But is that now mentality thinking, or because I don't think because this this was in 1946. Mm -hmm. The the film actually came out in 1946, even though the poem came out in 1888. The film came out in 1946 and it was reissued back in 1954. I don't. I don't Mm -hmm. think that was the, the biggest thing on their mind. It was just a. Just like when you were young. It's like well, you it doesn't mean they it. have.
2: It doesn't matter if they were consciously aware of what they're doing or not. Mm-hmm. The fact is they did it, right? Yeah. Um, and
1: 1940s. Oh, go ahead. Sorry about that on TV. Oh,
2: it's okay. Yeah, and the, the whole mocking of the the um, uh, you know kind of slow character in the stands, and you know it just sets it up, and you understand why you know all these different groups have so much of a stigma around them and it's shit like this right and it's from people who were making it and who weren't thinking about the impact of it um, so yeah I mean but yeah the the actual anime and they added in stuff to try and draw it out like they do with the Dr. Seuss stuff and everything and it it distracted from the piece so yeah this I really did not like
1: hmm. I honestly did not think about that until mentioning it now Like like I said <laughs> I did get that. It was a vaudeville thing, but mm-hmm. you are totally right in that sense. And then in the fact that you're 1940s, 50s America was really into a very specific standardized mm-hmm. aesthetic look mm-hmm. style, let alone the fact that to be anything different makes you the button of a joke or mm-hmm just presents you with pretty cool and people are now wondering why quote unquote pc culture or pc warriors Mm -hmm. are now trying to advocate for themselves and they can't make that joke we've these people rightfully get to make or advocate for themselves now Mm -hmm. after so many generations of being the butt end of the joke and it's not so much pc culture but now them finding a platform and way to speak out Mm
2: -hmm. well and just trying to to break the stigma around the different things but you understand how it became so ingrained in culture what was bad and this is just the reinforcement of you know fat people are bad people with mental mentally uh cognitive differences are bad that um There's absolutely nobody but white people in the whole thing, right? And this is a way of creating a narrative. And because baseball is so the quintessential American sport, mm -hmm. this also is the defining of who's included in America at that point and the ways they're included in America. Um, And I I doubt they consciously thought of any of that when they were making it, but the artifacts are still there in the
0: film. But okay gonna, I, I hate to play devil advocate at this time but we are talking about a piece that was done in the 1880s mm-hmm. eight, and then got repup got reproduced into an animation flick mm-hmm. in the 1940s right so I'm 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 kind of I'm seeing this as 20 I mean it's almost like 60 70 years of mm-hmm. a man wrote a, po- wrote a poem Mm-hmm. About the pastime of this game, I forgot that baseball was that old, but mm-hmm. the, the pastime of that game, and then then Disney, as it's always trying to do, trying to mm-hmm. reproduce something out of already here, it was already there. Came and made this little piece of, fl- of this little flick mm-hmm. to try to re. Rein- I, I don't know about the reinforce, but to more to resurface this poem just like they did with Alice in Wonderland and some other mm-hmm. other, other films and stuff.
2: Yeah, but so, just because it was done in the 40s doesn't excuse that. It's like we can watch shit now and recognize where they're tweaking stuff and what kills me is you know, as people have become more spoken out about the representation of different groups in film right. um, it's like because mainstream white America discovers it, people are acting like this is new. There's been th- those of us, who, you know, who've been in these different groups, who've been screaming about this shit for decades. Oh right? yeah, no, exactly.
1: It's it's essentially the Asian effect, or the black, mm-hmm. or getting into black culture effect, where it's just all these little white kids who just love specific things. Mm-hmm. Like, Look at all this now. Would you ever go there, though? Would you ever really go to Asia or Africa and mm-hmm. try to learn this shit? No, you just like this one specific thing, and you would never put in any effort to learn about
0: it. I can see that.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there were there were
2: you know, plenty of folks who were critiquing this and understood even in the 40s how racist, how nationalistic, how biased this was. They just oh. didn't have a platform to speak out.
1: Or got oh. shut down immediately because exactly, you know, again, but they're not going to be allowed
2: on mainstream radio, right?
1: Yeah, this was probably post World War II when mm-hmm. America had a very strong national identity. Post World War II,
0: mm-hmm. but I mean, just well. The, the, let me let me explain about the, the, the inspiration that Thayer got it from. So Thayer mm-hmm. got the name Casey from an Irish uh, from a, from a non-player of Irish um, uh, descent descent. Mm-hmm. And they see it, the guy he got it from was known as Daniel H. Casey, which opened up the debate if he modeled the character after him. Uh, his friend, but it says here, is reported that he actually modeled the character after his friend, his own old college buddy, Samuel um, Winslow, who was a baseball player in Harvard, that inspired Casey. And then there's also another thing of another candidate of a National Baseball League player named Mike King Kelly. Who became famous when Boston paid um, paid on um, Chicago a record of a ten thousand dollars for him? So basically, he got traded to Chicago mm. from um, from from Chicago to Boston. So Red Sox, basically, he went from White Sox to the Red Sox. Or were the Red Sox when the White Sox back in the days? I don't know. But, but I'm saying that's the that's the inspiration that inspired him to write about. Mm-hmm. This character. So he basically got off two people, a friend of his, and also was a baseball player in heart in college, and then an actual national baseball player that came together. And he put together this little, um, this little character. And what I was, was point out with Marvin when he's talking about Bob and stuff is that, and I, and I understand where you're going with it, but do you think because a lot of time we we always talk about one dimensional characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're seeing they're they're already good. This is one of those things that even, unfortunately, even fans today still hold strong to. Oh, all they gotta do is get the ball to Kobe and he'll bring us home, or they'll get the LeBron and he'll bring us home. I mean, it's always the fact that this this one character star. He's gonna win. He's gonna win the game. Um, the A's or or Barry Bonds. I mean, it's it's always that one character. All he needs to do is get the bat and he's gonna win the game. You know, and what's
1: up? Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I thought uh, you were about to finish. Go ahead.
0: I was going to finish up just by saying that there's all this. It's always that one care. I, I know you're point. I know you talking about some other. I know you put in some other things like the racism, the chauvinism. The you know basically they could they have one line where they talk about women don't know what what baseball is about, mm-hmm. and it's like oh, okay, really, you want to just call women dumb now because they don't understand mm-hmm. what baseball <laughs> is? It's like come on, but there's, well, like there's women
2: were playing at the time. I mean, that's the ridiculous thing is there was a women's league that developed during World War II because so many men were overseas. So -hmm. it wasn't like we
0: didn't understand it. We actually had our own league at that point. Right. But we also got to remember that Disney made a a reenactment of an 1888 ideal. They never really made it right. If they made it there, they would have basically represented everything. What they had now, like Mickey Mantle and all those people, they didn't. They made an idea back in the 18, uh, 1880s idea where you had know, all the kids and the whole, you know, the whole um, small town impotence look of everything. You know, kids playing with a stick ball and doing whatever. Big bands playing, but they didn't really make it for the post war or even pre war ideal. That's what I'm trying to say. So I understand where you're going, but they never updated. That's um, that's one thing I, I it kind of concerns me because they never really updated the idea. They well, just
2: they, they like the idea. That's what they, they like they'll pass on yeah. This is like so much of media is how you define who is part of America, mm. and it happens at any point. We we see like you know today's nine eleven um, that were on <laughs> the day we're recording. Well, and the way people are trying to memorialize this are writing out entire groups of who is considered American, right? And this has been going on since the original incident. Um, so to take a piece about baseball, which is a very American sport, mm-hmm. right? Popular, nowhere else like it is here. I mean, the rest of the world's got cricket, um, which is <laughs> faster and more interesting. Yeah. But, um, right. Well, They also we,
1: bounce on the ground and shit. Right. Their cricket bat is a massive, massive thing. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I'll tell you what, though. There's other countries that take... Baseball is seriously though. Japan, yeah, Japan who's also a- as fucking nationalistic as the US, might I add, right. is, which is by no means any coincidence in my opinion. Of course, mm-hmm. it would be like the crazy nationalistic countries that would take this sport that fucking seriously.
2: Right. And so, but by choosing how you represent that in film and all that becomes how you represent the culture and who's right. part of that culture and their roles in that culture. And that's always been true. Um, just because. People are finally, you know, on a mass scale discovering the dialogues about it. Doesn't mean these dialogues weren't happening. It's just they opted to silence it, right? Right. Um, and so by representing this with, I mean, you had the Negro League at the time that was in existence and all that. By representing this as all white, as women in all dresses, they're trying to evoke that this is this is quintessential America, right? And that and Disney loves to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's problematic at that, and on top of it, that the the animation is just rough. Well, like, it's not poorly done; it's just kind of this grotesque over the top. Like, well, you gotta also remember
0: that that was that was the the, flip the hand self yeah animation.
2: But if there. you look at the way the bodies are drawn and stuff, oh yeah, I mean there there were other options to do that, but they over exaggerate certain features and they stretch oh, yeah. them way out and. um... Yeah, it just makes an unpleasant film to watch.
1: Mm, Like the first person they had a pet, they made him Mm -hmm. grotesquely large. And that was their poke at him, essentially the U.S., not exactly liking Mm -hmm. overly obese people. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's just kind of awesome. It's also kind of back to what Sharon was saying, too, with Mm -hmm. her worship. I love that th- there was this excerpt I read online about Generation X where they said they don't have heroes because essentially all their heroes have wound up failing them. And I thought that was such a little mm-hmm. insightful line because is it not true? This is What hero worship gets you is you become disappointed when your heroes wind up or you realize they're terrible people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, for one, as someone who worshipped a couple of people back in the 90s who are now, like, have turned out to be really shitty people. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> it it right. fucking sucks. But mm-hmm.
0: you are going to say something otherwise?
1: No, I, I
2: was, you know, just as Marvin's pointing out with the the overly, you know, the, the big battered in the beginning, it represents sloth, represents laziness, right? And these things have long tails. We still... I mean, if you look at the discrepancy uh, between body weight and what you get paid, people who are bigger get paid less because the assumption is they're automatically lazy. It has nothing to do with their work. That discrimination still exists, and mm-hmm. it gets ingrained with representations like this.
0: Um, I don't know about that because I know that I know um, Babe Ruth, even even um, well, I forgot his name. I know I know a few heavy hitter batters that have been they're really overweight and technically that's their only that's the only characteristic they can hit a ball hard enough where they can get on base and get around. Right, they but but a that base wasn't player. the character in this film. That wasn't yeah, like the Yeah, like in role the film, the like they even is. said
1: for this specific character, because like the line was try as he might to fail yeah. or yeah. something along those lines, he still hit the bat. And then for this specific person, his characterization was an obese man. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: It was very slow to get to base, and they, mm-hmm. they point that out. Yeah. Well, let's go on to the next one, because I, I know our, I know our, we're going deep with this one. I, I knew you are going to bring back the nine eleven. I was like, she's going to bring up nine eleven 9-11, because <laughs> I no, think it's, it's just, so
1: weird. We're
2: so you know what? I mean, inundated with how we're representing yes. who belongs in America, and all of the coverage has eliminated vast groups of people from who's American.
0: Wow. <laughs> all right. The next one we're going to be talking about <laughs> is... Paul Bunyan. Well, Paul Bunyan is a, basically a folklore, so it's it's an American and Canadian folklore. Uh, so, for people who don't know what a folklore a folklore is, a folklore is a tradition um, a traditional material that is passed down from generation to generation. It's basically or it's basically an oral. It's like oral poetry. It is a story. It is a Thing that gets passed out in song, legends, jokes, rhymes, proverbs, um, superstitions, and practices, and in such in, in such in food making and also craft making. So folklore themselves. So why would why would, you, you might be asking like, well, Sean, this is a poetry um, podcast. Why would you put folklore in a poetry podcast? Because there are some poems that are actually folklores too. So it's very interesting how. The word poetry itself is kind of coined into a lot of things that are considered either that can be considered either poem, story, song, folklore, everything else. They all fall in somewhat the same kind of characteristics. They just have a few di- few differences that make them dif- that make them different. Now, mm-hmm. since I now pointed that out, this one here is about the Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan was a large lumberjack and a folk hero. He's basically he's exploited to revolve around his tall tales of his superhuman strength, and customarily account- accompanied by Babe the Blue Ox. The character originated from an oral tradition of North American loggers, and was later popularized by freelance a freelance writer William B. Laughhead, and in um, in 1916 promotional pamphlet. So basically, this guy took the folklore and then made made it into made it into a pamphlet, so he can. It's almost like how they did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They made it to be commercial, and he made it into a pamphlet for the Red River um, Lumber Company. He he has been a subject for various literacy compositions, music pieces, um, com, um, commercial work, and also um, theatrical production. His me display of an oversized statue. Across across um, North America. Now that you know one of the stories about what he makes of him, we saw the we saw the mo- we saw the video that was done by Disney, which came out in 1958. So now Disney took his little. Made a short film, a musical short film about this folklore. So yes, it's one of those things that Disney threw itself into. It's like, hey, what else can we make on these things? Let's do this idea, and <laughs> and Disney basically with his nine his nine old men of um, core animators, and were directed by Les Clark, made the the film, the short film. Paul Bunyan that was added to a whole animation called more music for uh, more music and stuff. It's a, it's an interesting community. It's actually, uh, uh, they call American America's legends, legends which has John Henry, um, Pecos bill, um, a lot of various characters in this stuff, but this one here has, is mostly talking about Paul Bunyan and babe and how their they, their antics or their achievements Gotten this far, and what happened after. Marvin, thoughts?
1: You know what? I've always found something very charming about the Paul Bunyan story. Okay. Looking at it now, understanding what I understand, there is something extremely tragic about this, especially given that the end... Mm-hmm. It's charming in the sense that this is like that a central legendary American story of how the gold U- U.S. of a started with mm-hmm. its industrialization. But then you see that pitfall of capitalism where the little businesses or that folk hero can't even survive capitalism. And that's essentially what it is. And it's mm-hmm. just, and I love it because look at the JP Morgan music, like na- that national museum they have. There are people who, who are so, yeah, America, who love going to it, but then in the same right, they will bitch and complain about how certain things from their past are no longer in production. But they'll go to this capitalist museum and not understand that they're celebrating the very thing that has destroyed a specific thing that they loved from their past. Good point. Or has commodified a specific production or has made... A very hand-tailored craft, so obsolete because capitalism has made it so efficient in such a cheap manner that you can't even get that level of detail anymore. But people will still celebrate it and not understand how detrimental it can be to specific Mm -hmm. things. Or then you see that big logging machine where it's just in the animation where... It chops everything up and it leaves a fucking wasteland. And they don't understand how bad that is. Mm -hmm. And it's a great little way. And I feel like this animation without even realizing it essentially explained all that really well. Mm -hmm. And it flies over everyone's head because they just want to see that Paul Bunyan story. Look at the tragedy that how heroes die, but not look further into
0: it. Our
1: device. The first thing
2: that got me is they kept talking about him being this enormous man who was six three and Sharon is six <laughs> two. <laughs> this head in the sky. I was hella laughing, because we we're both over six feet tall. I'm like, really? Really six three is this giant of a man? So that I was hella uh, laughing. As uh, a five
1: foot five man child that's pretty damn tall that's pretty damn tall
2: <laughs> it, it, yes but neither <laughs> of us were required we an enormous cradle like it was kind of like cracking me up um i did prefer that i mean this animation is the middle middling compared like first one was the worst the last animation was probably the most preferred this was yeah this was okay um I, I agree with you that it's you know a great exploration of um, industrialization and all of that. And it finishes and proves my point. Nobody goes to Alaska when their life is going good. He <laughs> ends up in Alaska after he's defeated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody moves to Alaska when their life is just popping off right. That's the l- last resort, and it remains that today. <laughs>
1: I didn't think about that being right.
0: (laughs) So, so here's some fun facts. So, one point that I didn't notice that when you pointed out that it has has an association with the John Henry story. Mm -hmm. Whereas, John Henry, the situation is a a commoner came in with a new, with the locomotive, with the a new item to basically hammer in the um, nails and make an actual railroad, and John Henry challenged him to try to finish the railroad on time. But at the end, John Henry dies from mm-hmm. that, whereas Paul Bunyan didn't die. He basically lost, but his defeat was... He went
2: to Alaska. It's the same thing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. But as you did point out, it, the hero story, it ends off with him being defeated or dying or something. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that's always... It wasn't like... He got defeated, came back, and went back to you know de- destroy the dragon. You know he basically got burned up and he was gone. No, there's nothing left. Yeah. He's he's on his own. But yeah, this um, was
1: a total celebration of like what I said. It's mm-hmm. a total celebration of industrialization and capitalism and how this essentially glorifies it. It yeah. celebrates it America, but then it celebrates. Capitalism to move forward, but without realizing how detrimental it can be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it you're right, it, it did not. People don't look behind the back of what destruction left, they just look at the character in front as mm-hmm. he keeps moving forward. And it's okay, as, a
1: lot of the Asian <laughs> community see the same way about Mulan. That's 2020 Mulan.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say more the fact of racism, but hey, whatever, I know. <laughs>
1: I say Can it because this 2020 it? Mulan is terrible, just in the same way as capitalism is terrible.
0: <laughs> but one thing, okay, so in 1958, this movie, uh, this, um, this short film was actually nominated for an Academy Award in 1959 for Best Animated Short. Ooh. It got beat out by Looney Tunes' um, Nightly Night Bugs. Basically, a Looney Tunes um, film beat this one out. So. Well,
2: but Looney Tunes had better animation in the fifties. I can see that. Like, yeah. Looney Tunes has beautiful animation, and they had Carl Stalling for the music, which is always going to give them an edge. Like mm-hmm. Disney, Disney's got songs that get traction. But good lord, how many times can you have Randy Newman write the same goddamn song? And well,
0: Randy Newman, though, come
1: on now, who uh, who was the one who <laughs> did the music direction for Tarzan? And that was Phil Collins But it was just essentially The man was just saying what he was singing mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like What yeah, and, but, Way and to you're... narrate In song Yeah,
2: And I will give it I, I, I do think At that time period I preferred Looney Tunes animation And I, Carl Stalling Just really upped the whole thing Like his okay. music direction was Freaking brilliant mm. <laughs>
0: So you're giving it up for it. but I mean you're giving it up for the fact that this short animated film didn't couldn't cut what
2: I understand why it lost to Looney Tunes.
0: I'm I mean I would have been I would have been more surprised if it lost like the Viking the, the Valkyrie one or something like that, but it lost a nightly night night, a nightly mm-hmm. night bug. So it's like Which one was that one? So that one was with um had um Yosemite Sam and Bugs Bunny. So basically Yosemite Sam was trying to take out Bugs Bunny. In a medieval time. And, and, you know, the whole, you know, I took a wrong turn to Albuquerque. He basically comes uh, to Camelot.
1: okay. I think I remember
0: yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think I've seen that one. Yeah, and he has like the singing thing.
1: Well, and we danced okay,
0: with the bull that in that
2: one. one. It's freaking brilliant. Like <laughs> Bugs Bunny dancing with the bull. It still remains one of my favorite things where he's smacking his face and stuff. I love that. <laughs> going to
0: wrinkle it? <laughs> of course, you know, this means war. <laughs> Steaming up Bugs's tail, <laughs> but on uh, this movie, this as you can see, this long this um folklore tale itself was also used in it's been used in um, capitalism, well not just capitalism, mm-hmm. but it's been used in advertisement to build up the brand of somebody else's. They're basically taking an idea from something else and make building the brand up, just like how Macy's did with um, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There's another mm-hmm. profit. Go figure. Um, so, did this... Do you feel like this... Do you feel... Okay, Mark, do you feel like this basically brings the character out more? Like, this This is male make another generation go, oh, okay, there's a thing called Paul Bunyan. Okay, cool. Or is it just basically just employing the idea of... These are some legends that we had. That you know, the whole thousand island, the whole thousand lakes, the making of the um, the Grand Tetons and stuff. Do you think they're just employing just some? They don't want to. They don't want to know the truth. They just want to have some idea of like, well, that was made by such and such.
1: I think it is a celebration of an idea rather than mm-hmm. an exploration
0: mm-hmm.
1: of okay. how history works. I think in the beginning they did they do they certainly did need something to really drive in modernization because i mean when america started and it still holds the specific value of we want small town america that with baseball and apple pie they, they we look at certain parts of america the south the midwest they hold on to that tradition and, and they don't want to give that up for anything and I believe this story this film was certainly created to persuade those specific communities that modernization will be the future and bring everyone together and then now I can certainly see it barely as just a way of showing isn't this sketchy this is what we used to be and then it completely ignores the fact that this is essentially what is destroying a lot of things in certain communities. What's causing gentrification, what's causing a lot of specific financial hardships. I mean, if you look at look at fucking Amazon, how people constantly, constantly say Amazon, when Amazon likes to argue by letting us build an office or a factory or a warehouse here in this particular city, we're providing jobs. No, no, it doesn't. Yes, you have provided jobs, but you know what you've also done? You created shit work environments. Whatever money that you're using to create those jobs, you have not done anything to bring back to the community. There's literal pictures in these really rundown down communities where the building itself looks fucking fantastic but the communities are disheveled they're terrible there's not been any kind of influx or injection of Amazon's money provided to that community. Nothing at all. And like this short film definitely shows a very good example of what Mm -hmm. that is. So yeah, I think this is a great folklore for America that still goes on to this day essentially.
0: Good. They're called predatory corporations. yeah, oh, yeah, does yeah. It too. Disney and, did well in,
1: and on, uh, in bastardizing and making a monster out of Florida. Old, yeah, old folk tales, <laughs> old legendary <laughs> stories, old specific poetry. Just like they did Mulan.
0: You're gonna keep rolling that in, aren't you?
1: I'm never gonna get forgive them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Auntie Vice
2: <laughs> no I, I agree with Marvin on a lot of that and just the one random fact you know they say he creates in this that he creates the Grand Tetons yeah. do you guys know what Teton means Grand Teton
0: Mm-mm. big Antico. breast
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he creates a great. that's always cracked me up because I, I lived in the Tetons when okay. I was growing up
1: so yeah I lived in the big big tit mountains um Leave leave it to a straight cis man to name the mountains as tits. I love it. Well, and there's
2: three of them.
1: Oh, you know it's definitely a cis heterosexual male who was completely scared of his closeted gay (laughs) tendencies that he had to be like three mountains, three tits. Yeah. Well,
2: and and how lonely do you have to be? How many sheep do you have to be around to look up and go tits? Because they're pointy. They're fucking pointy. It's random fact. And I, I can't hear about the Grand Tetons with thinking giant, tips. <laughs> uh,
0: and that the, the Thousand Lakes?
2: <laughs> I'm thinking tree stumps. Those are tiny little lakes. And yeah, they're, they're small lakes up there, but they're not the size of a tree stump. The you know, <laughs> land of 10,000 puddles.
0: <laughs> no doubt. All right. The final one we're going to talk about is the shooting of Dangerous Dan McGrew. This one here is is actually the second a second poem by an artist uh, poet we already talked about before who did the cremation of of um Sam McGee. Mm-hmm. This is this is um Robert W Service second poem that he published out in The Song of Um Sourdough in 1907 in Canada. This is a a, a narrative poem of uh, in the from a British Canadian, go figure. Uh, the tale of the po- the tale of the poem takes place in the Yukon saloon during the Yukon Gold Rush in the eighteen 18- in eighteen ninety. The tale of the three, char- the three characters you get is Dan McGrew, uh, a roughneck prospector, and McGrew's um, sweetheart Lou, a formidable pro- uh, a formidable um, pioneer woman, mysterious with weather worn stranger who wanders into the saloon where the former among the cr- former. Are among crowds of drinkers. The stranger buys drinks for the crowd, basically on the house, and then proceeds to the piano where he plays a song that ultimately rebels and is uh, painfully sad. He appears to have a past with McGrew and Lou, and he's come to settle the grudge. A shotgun, a shot, gunshots break out, and both McGrew and the stranger kill each other. While the lady, known as Lou, ends up. And the stranger with the stranger's poke of gold. Vox? This
1: author really likes killing off I- Irish guys. <laughs> He's just I a was... very violent man. He's just a very violent man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I loved the animation in this. Actually, I thought it was okay. really pretty. Much like the the last poem we did by this guy, the poem itself is cute, a little sing songy, but you know, it's it's mm-hmm. cute. Um. You know, and its he's got that darkness to him that the same one that had it last time. So yeah, it's its okay.
0: Martin?
1: I agree with fun device. I mean, same thing as we said previously in the last episode about him. Had some interesting idea, ideas and details in his work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A little dark. Tends to like the violence. He likes bleakness. Well,
0: well I think it's because of it's—it's it's the Yukon... Yukon is mostly his biggest setting that he always puts all his, his poems in, and he also thinks about the ruggedness of how the Yukon life is. It's very harsh, and very, it's very um dense, and also the cold comes into a lot of the situation. And a lot of people mostly went up there for gold, so he was a banker who was up there during that time when they were doing the Yukon stuff. So he he probably seen his share of pretty you know disturbing men, and it just that was his, that was his. It's information Canada's reference. Alaska. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's cancel. Let's go.
1: Well, I think, uh, like, prospecting has a very kitschy and cutesy image now for the U.S. Okay, not even the U.S., the Americas, because that's essentially how the Americas started, you know.
0: Well, California big for that, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Prospecting has really helped. The Americas in their image, especially for the West Coast and then in the Yukons, as you guys just mentioned, in the sense that it brought in an influx of people, business, and helped really develop those areas. Right. But I think people leave out the fact that with an influx of people, when you take on specific harsh jobs like this, you, you don't go into a harsh job like this. Unless you've seen some shit and are willing to do some really dirty, dirty shit.
2: Well, and we don't talk about how bleak a lot of the gold rush was. Good. Oh, yeah. Or to get into that history, it is hella dark.
1: Oh, it's super fucked up. Mm. Super fucked up. And I say this as a Chinese American. It's a fuck it up. It's a super fucked up history. I mean, but like, let's even ignore prospecting. Look at like fucking grimy-ass jobs, like mm-hmm. oil mining in Bakersfield. Dude, they're grimy-ass people who are willing to fuck someone up.
2: Trust it, me, I lived there for a year. It, it It is just living next door to hell. Bakersfield is fucking awful.
1: Oh yeah, it's the armpit of America. Oh, good,
2: California. oh, okay. It's oh. California's taint. Not quite to the asshole, but not- close enough.
0: But it's mm. not in the armpit yet level yet. I mean, I think there's another city that's in the armpit
1: of California. but Fresno. <laughs> I also grew up there, so you're totally I right. Know. <laughs> no, no, not even offended. I spent 10 years there. 10 too many years in fucking
0: Fresno. That was very accurate. <laughs> wow. Just, just, just. Little little nod to the city, okay. But even but even as I'm living out here in the gold country, um, I can tell there's a lot of stories that people have held secrets about. You can you can see there's some there's some stuff that went on down here that yep. there there are some darkness that people do not want to bring back into life, but they want to bring back the mining. They just don't want to bring back the, the crap that the happened. Of it, you know? <laughs> and I mean. Yeah. It's been it does I mean, some of the stuff that they've done here has basically either polluted, destroyed some areas. I mean, they have done some dark stuff here just to get that little piece of gold that they want to exploit. And calling this the gold country is really hard to kind of Well, my
1: favorite thing is Chinatown essentially. Like mm-hmm. not because I'm Chinese or anything, but like how it started. People just seem to think it was like, oh no, because they wanted to do grouped together in this specific park to make it their own. No, you wouldn't let us live anywhere else. Right. You gave us a spot and said, this is it. And do you know how many times you guys have come in, wrecked the shit up, burned it, have not allowed us to like Bring our wives or children here because you didn't want any. No, it's 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 super fucked up. And then now it's become a touristy spot because they were like, we accept you
0: guys. Mm-hmm. No, or they're or they're trying to justify it in so many ways of hard and people like. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I Don't I can dare. write an entire
1: doctorate on that if I wanted to of fucked up shit.
0: So yeah, so with the three stories, so with all those three stories, we 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 have seen animation for of these these um, saint song narrative type of stories and stuff. We are now going to go into our snap judgment, where we basically rate the, the movies that we review and give them a three, two, or one snap judgment. If it's three snaps, this is the greatest thing since Mulan, 90s Mulan was made. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to make that differentiation <laughs> and it should go on to be in books and get another Academy Award if he ever thinks about it if it's two snaps it's not that bad but it's not that good if it's one snap this thing needs to go back into that place of destruction that, bu- that Paul Bunyan dis- all those trees he left behind and just be buried there Right next to Sam McGee with his cremation himself. We go in quarter, quarter now ratings. So everyone today, close your eyes. We're going to get ready to do this in three. Which movie? Oh, my <laughs> What? We'll do, let's do Casey at Bat first. Okay. Uh, so we're going
1: right. to chronological school order mm. from what we reviewed then?
0: Yes. Yes. That way it doesn't seem confusing. <laughs> all right. Okay, so we're gonna do right now a Casey at bat. Mm-hmm. Close your eyes. Here we go. One, two, three.
1: Really, All right. John? I I love it. Me and Auntie Vice are always in
0: sync. I fucking dig it. fucking So two, two and a quarter, half and half. So together, three. Okay, now I gotta say my piece. Okay, Casey Got Bad to me is a, is basically a pastime story that I looked back when I was a kid. That was fine, I understood it, and then at the end, he lost. I've also seen the I've also seen the sequel of it. What what happens after him after he lost the match? It's kind of funny that that one too. But Casey little, gets well,
2: traded
1: to Florida.
0: Is that the next one? Nah, it's...
1: Florida it's, man.
0: <laughs> it's actually a little more weird. It's really, it's a weird chauvinistic thought that comes into play. Casey actually has gets his white uh, actual woman picks him up out of the the cold rainy situation and actually gets him married. He has damn near twelve kids, all girls
1: because of course that would happen in an American-based folk story
0: and ironically Casey comes out with his girls loving baseball as he did when he was when he was playing that they actually start a little league and they basically have a women's baseball league what
1: wait wait, wait hold on let, let me get this the fucking story sequel to this was a man essentially Raping a woman. No, not raping. And then he has an entire-ass baseball team for a family.
0: He didn't what? rape the woman. He married her, and they had 12 kids.
1: You said he carried off in the rain, like that quintessential thing. No, I'm
0: saying she carried him off the rain oh, because oh, he was oh. basically crying his butt off because he lost the game. But at the oh, end... Oh,
1: oh, you made... Okay, I misheard that because I heard I heard he carried her off in the rain. I was like... So he kidnapped her. Oh, no. yeah. Then he raped her and then he married her because that's kind of how the US was back in the day. Wow. You gotta marry your baby mama.
2: Well, and it's not rape if you get married, right?
0: Yep. <laughs> but in the long sort of it all, he basically he, he wanted a son, but never got a son. He got twelve girls. And they had a baseball team. And even though he wanted a son, he still felt, even though the girls were good, he still felt that that one son would have been something. And he tries one time, dressing up like a woman, to play baseball. And unfortunately, he still misses the ball. His daughter gets it. But his dad runs the bases and she lets him because need to get that ego still propped up. So it's it's a it's a um it's an interesting you know as we talk as you you point out about the chauvinistic and what women they had a baseball game you know they had a baseball team this movie kind of this one here kind of takes that one into perspective and goes for mm-hmm. it. so uh, that's my my two and a half points of the reason why I think is because of it's talking about a pastime sport. And how people like you pointed out, Marvin, people trying so hard on one person to be the the one that's gonna bring it home, and then when that person fails, it just basically takes the takes the air out of them. Yeah,
1: that's why you can't have heroes. That's why you can't love specific people. Mm Marilyn Manson, Yeezy, come on, man.
0: So, Marvin, why did you give it a half? Snap.
1: Uh, I personally, it was just I was never a baseball person. Okay. I feel like this story kind of glorified that. And then as we talked and reviewed it more, and then I'm also basing it off of the animation too, Auntie Vice certainly did have a very good point. And and understanding that now and looking at the animation style, Mm -hmm. I can't give it a good review in light of what I know now. Because at first when I was watching it, it was like, oh, that's just kind of the tip, a typical '40s animation style. But in the, but in no part of my head at the time was able to fully connect it. But this is also probably because I was list, listening/slash watching this while I was at work.
0: <laughs> On device. For all the
2: reasons that I went over, it's just it was not great.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, altogether we gave it three and a three. A quarter. Three point,
2: yeah. Three point quarter. Two five. Well, it's not two five. Yeah, the quarter is two five. Right. Quarter.
0: Three. Three and a quarter. Two. Three and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Three and a quarter snaps out of nine. Can't math right tonight. <laughs> There's my accountant. Next one.
1: <laughs> See, I didn't want to say that. Thank you for saying that.
0: Do so you're thinking it? Oh, dare you. We're going to the next one. <laughs> I dare you. No, no, Next one we're going to do is Paul Bunyan. Going close your eyes and count the three. One, two, three. Oh, okay. Two, two, one. Okay. This was a very we're interesting sync up for once. <laughs> this was a
1: very interesting sync up for once.
0: I now want to know why you gave it to Marvin. <laughs>
1: Purely because this story took on a whole new meaning that it never was probably meant to take. It has I personally think it's just mutated into something that no one fully anticipated or fully even thought of at the time. And it is exactly what I said during the review. It's a celebration of capitalism, and it has a very full awareness of why it was so terrible. And I clearly they took into some understanding of how bad it could be, but I don't think anyone would ever, ever imagined it to be what it is now. Mm-hmm. So it definitely had a very Western feeling of the cowboy rides off into the sunset. And I kind of
0: dug it for that. Nice. On uh, device, why do you have one? Or should I do my two first for you?
2: Do your two. <laughs> Give me your number two. Do your two Dude. right on the right on here, babe. Give the two to everybody.
0: <laughs> I can't. Uh, disturbing what that comes out to be. All right. The reason why I get this is the reason why I get this two was the fact that, as Marvin pointed out, this thing was a hero's journey. Even though the hero's journey can do a demise, it was funny knowing that this is a. F- God, so much going on with that microphone stand. That this was basically a, the beginning to the end. This guy thought I'm doing I have a purpose. And he assumed that he had a purpose until the purpose became known that your purpose now is done. Go do something else. And cap, you know, I used to say capitalism came in and perfected what he was doing already, but it kind of did. Um so finding out that that journey, it was interesting. What's up?
1: I don't know if I could call it perfected. I would call it made it efficient
0: yeah, in a
1: very detrimental way.
0: But, but I'm saying, it's always, I mean, but capitalism, well, not just capitalism, there's always someone trying to make something better or try to get rid of something else. I mean, heck, we have cell phones now. We don't have telephones. You know, there's no telephone booths anymore in the area. It's always getting rid of something. They're always bringing something to get rid of something else. So that's that's one of those things that, I mean, video games are here. Not many kids go outside. It's always something. You always get something, to lose something. It's always that It's, it's that whole equilibrium. Auntie Vice.
2: It wasn't a great film. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hence the one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she was going based off the animation, not the story itself.
0: So. Oh, no, she like the... No, you liked animation. You just didn't like the. Story. It was no, it was middling. I said
2: it was kind of. It's in between these two. It was. It was passable. It wasn't great. Um, you know, I just there's nothing that really drew me in. Like really? No, I wanted him to move to Alaska like the next four minutes earlier in the film. <laughs> wow. Babe the blue ox was the one saving grace of this damn thing because it was cute. It moved like our, our puppy does.
0: <laughs> just, just all into everything. Okay. <laughs> At least it's not humping them. Hey, I don't know. That train was gonna get some was gonna get mm-hmm. something. Yeah. <laughs> that train was gonna get something. He's like Argh. All right. Last but not least, we're gonna do the shooting of Dan McGrew. All right, close your eyes, let's do this one. Oh, hold on, my five. Five out of nine for um, Paul Bunyan. Not bad. Now we're gonna do the shooting. Now we're gonna do the shooting of Dan McGrew. <laughs> close your eyes. Count. One, two, three. Oh, my God. what? (laughs) All of us gave it a one and a half. This is interesting. I am now. now... This is certainly rare. (laughs) all of us agreed that this was a one and a half movie. Okay, now I got to ask. Well, okay. The reason why I gave this a one and a half movie because um, it's kind of the poet ourselves, Sheriff, or service, he has kind of this style and it's kinda of, I now kinda of see that mm-hmm. it it kinda of goes the same flow way. he's gonna have a he's gonna have a couple characters and somebody at the end, someone's gonna die. <laughs> I, I I hate to see it this is there's more like this, but it probably is. And now i am going to die. <laughs> someone's gonna die. So um beyond that, I, I mean this is the Yukon and the ending of finding out that his that the love that the lady basically took the money and bounced. I was kind of not surprised. So I was like, eh, not a bad story. Uh, Why did you give it a one and a half auntie vice? Because I'm going to let Marvin end it off.
2: It was all right. Better than the other ones. wasn't great. Um, but yeah, overall, it, it was fine. <laughs> like,
0: you had so much else to say. Man. I was like,
1: eh.
0: It worked. <laughs> Marvin to an extent.
1: I mean, it's exactly like on Vice Head. Oh great my work goodness. Good, it, it, it just, the, the story has You're nothing big to offer. It's just a man who got bamboozled in a, after a gunfight. The real hero of the story is the woman who made off of all that mm-hmm. money. But, but, is know, that, it was but is she a hero?
2: And she just moved her ass out of the Yukon, is all I'm going to assume.
1: I'm never going to look. fucking cold. Man or woman, if you if you find a way to earn your keep, I'll support that. And she did it in the most tactful way possible. She tricked two
0: men. But is it really tricking? The battle I mean, of the death. I mean, Dan McGrew didn't do much. He was like, "Well, really, This guy's going to be on my ass? I was like, yeah. You stole my woman. I'm not here for payback. All right.
1: She still ran off with the money. I respect that. She ran and off with the th- money. That was a real feminist move, unlike Mulan.
2: Well, and how many, you know, gang and, and mob movies are the same way? Like, the dudes all kill each other off and the chick bounces. Like, hmm Okay. It's kind of a
1: standard story. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. And I can respect someone who knows when to look
0: full to them and leave. Mm-hmm. I thought you got going to do a gambler thing, though. When, oh, when to hold them. No when to walk away, no Yeah, to I mean, that's essentially what <laughs> she, the when she to did.
1: <laughs> she, she folded and ran and mm. took the money. I respect that move.
0: Yep. Wow. When the day is good. <laughs> all right, we gave this one, as you can see, we gave the shooting of Dan McGrew a 4.5 out of nine. So, as we, as we overall say, all the numbers, 4.5 for our shooting of Dan McGrew. Uh, five, for, five for Paul Bunyan and uh, three three and a quarter for um, Casey. Casey at bat. As you can see, we have our opinions, but you have opinions. Why don't you share with us what you got? Rate, subscribe, and be along with us on our journey as we go down this list. Yeah, the list is still big. I actually had to check out a few of them because, unfortunately, some of them are actually reenactments of some of the other ones we made, like there's one called Midnight, Midnight Sun, which is actually the cremation of um, Sam McGee, so I had to kill that one. So, so I was like, oh, I have to check this list off some things. So it's getting smaller. It's getting smaller. So, yeah. But anyway, we you know there's also we also have them um, towards the night before Christmas. What? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right, I think that's going to be good. Okay. But all together now, we just wanted to let you know, Please come share and subscribe on our podcast of I Am Bipoji Podcast. And if you need to get a hold of us, leave a note and leave a shout out if you can or even an email. I read them. I do. I do. So, <laughs> but if you want to get in touch with my popcorn snatchers here, Marvin, tell them where they can find you on social media.
1: Yeah, you can find me at Marvin 9 on IG. Uh, t device.
2: I'm at Auntie Vice on most social media. AuntieVice.com is my website, and check it out because I have 37 classes and performances scheduled between now and December. Come see me and have some fun. Talk about sexy
1: stuff.
0: Yeah, she didn't talk about this stuff. She's talking about sexy stuff.
1: Definitely I check can- out her gram too. She just made some like awesome edibles. So good. Good grief. So good. See, this
0: is this is this is what I gotta deal with. Okay, anyway. <laughs> 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 you can find you can find me on iambic zine. That is i a m b i c z as in zebra i n e. You know, there's still people that still say zebra. You that some trip. they, they, yeah, they, they I'm one, one of those people. It's zebra. It's zebra. You gotta. It's zebra.
1: You gotta tell me why and convince me why it's zebra and not zebra.
0: Because it's zebra.
2: Uh, it, Since it's when? I have, have a... never heard this. It's the Trevor Noah joke that, you know, that's what they call them in, in South Africa. And they get to name them because they have them.
1: I didn't even see that part. I'm going to walk it up. And then after I'm done, I will agree with you and watch it and start saying it that way,
0: Zebra. I mean, I mean, just the point of the British making the word Zed instead of Z, it just messes me up sometimes. It's mm-hmm. like Z Zed, Zed. I hear some people say Zed Zed. I was like, what the heck is Zed, Zed Well, see, I like his explanation of... L- the
1: U.S. measuring system, how he said, how is pounds LBS? Mm-hmm. How yeah. does that make
2: sense? I have a whole thing that we really just need to recognize, meter, And it's a, <laughs> a, uh, it's a base eight system, and eight is whatever size your dick is, because all men think they got an eight-inch dick. And we've got a hand, which is four inches. A foot is 12. meters right in the middle. It's part of the married-up American system.
0: You know how I mean we are going to yeah. try to figure out their hands big as their penis? Like
2: no, no, on. no. But oh, a hand damn. measurement is how you measure a horse, and it's four inches.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot.
2: Yeah. That's how you measure a horse.
0: These, these measurements are ridiculous, but man. we
2: yeah. have an imaginary system.
0: The next one we will do, I got three in mind, but I'm kind of going to let these guys look into doing it. I got Ding in one of them. I don't know if I can do that much more racism Let's (laughs) try something good (laughs) Alright then We'll let you know We'll be back next week With another crazy Poetry On real poetry Real poetry Poets Alright peace
1: (laughs) Did you have some lime key? (laughs) Not (laughs) Not yet yet. I'm (laughs) going
2: to go feed him some